With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In this episode, we're counting down the five greatest pinch hitters in baseball history. And if you're like me, you love a good pinch hit. These guys were some of the most clutch players to ever step up to the plate, and they all made their mark on the game. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rounders, the history of baseball in America. I am your host, Jeff Lambert. First, before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great topic to discuss today. And really, when it comes down to baseball, we're always talking about different statistics that we use to measure a player's worth, right? We have batting average, we have home runs, we have RBIs, we have stolen bases. The list goes on and on. But there's one stat that's often overlooked when it comes to the great teams and the great players, and that's their pinch hitting ability. Pinch hitting is really an art unto itself. It's not easy to come into a game cold and to try to get a hit off of a pitcher who's already two to three hours into his routine. But when pinch hitting is done well, it can be the difference between winning and losing games and teams that can go far in the playoffs and teams that can't. So with that in mind, we're going to look at five of the greatest pinch hitters in baseball history and see how they made their mark on the game. First off on our list, we have Cliff Johnson. Cliff Johnson was one of the most feared pinch hitters of his generation. He played for 15 seasons from 1972 until 1986. And during that time, he spent time with eight different teams. Now, the club that he spent the longest stint on was the Houston Astros, who he played for from 1972 to 1977. Cliff was one of those guys who was really born to be a designated hitter because he never really found a defensive position in the field that he could master. Let me give you some examples. In 1976, while playing for Houston, he only caught 66 games behind the plate, but he led the entire National League in past balls. In other seasons, teams tried him out in the field, mainly at first base and in the outfield, but he never really was able to define himself as a defensive player. But when he was put in as a pinch hitter, that's when he really excelled. So going back to his time with the Houston Astros in 1974, that was the first season where he really came out as a guy that could come into the game at any point and get his team a hit. In that first season with the Astros in 1974, he hit five home runs off the bench for the season. In three years that he spent with the Yankees earlier on in his career, or excuse me, later on in his career, he hit 20 home runs and only 380 at-bats. 
towards the end of his career in 1983, he had spent time with the Toronto Blue Jays. He had a great season that year. And this was when he was able to really fill in that full-time designated hitter spot. He hit 22 home runs and he reached career highs in games played at bats, doubles, and RBIs. Some of the career highlights that Cliff stacked up in addition to being known as one of the top pinch hitters of his generations was he was able to win two World Series titles, both of them during his time with the Yankees. He also held the MLB record for pinch hit home runs with 20 until he was surpassed by Matt Stairs in 2010. A little bit more on Matt later. Next up, we have Forrest Harold Burgess, a.k.a. Smokey Burgess. Smokey Burgess was an amazing pinch hitter, but he had an all-star career before he became the king of clutch moments. And that's something that really separates him from the rest of the individuals on our list. Now, Smokey had a long career, just like a lot of other individuals on this list. He played from 1949 to 1967, and he did that amongst five different teams. The longest tenure that he had was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he played six separate seasons. Now, where did Forrest get the nickname Smokey from? Well, there's several theories. None of them I can find as being definitive. Some of them include that he grew up in North Carolina around the Smoky Mountains region. So that could have been one origin of his nickname. Another account states that his father had a similar nickname. So it stuck to the younger as he grew up. Both father and son were known as Smokey. And finally, Smokey Burgess was known for his lack of speed on the base paths. He certainly wasn't someone who could stretch that single into a double. And he also was a teetotaler. He didn't really uh, partake in alcohol or tobacco, so he didn't smoke. And so there's also a theory that both of those items stuck to him as he rose through the ranks and played for different professional clubs and his teammates would refer to him as Smokey for those reasons. So which of those three is the actual origin of the nickname? Could have been one of them, could have been three of them, certainly not definitive. But those are some of the reasons behind why Smokey may have gotten his nickname. But let's go back to his playing career. Smokey did make a name for himself as being an excellent hitter during his playing career. Now, just like the other individuals on this list, because we didn't have the defined DH position in place when they played, teams had to work it around and try and find places to put him where he wouldn't be as much of a liability defensively. So just like we, and there's going to be several on this list that fell into this category, Smokey found himself being tried out a lot at catcher when he played for different clubs. And while he was behind the plate, he routinely ranked among some of the league leaders in past balls. So not good. Uh, Total Baseball uh, website uh, actually ranked Smokey's defensive contribution to his teams at a negative 96 rating. Just to give you kind of a scope of how poor his defensive skills were. He was very routinely at the top of the league in stolen bases allowed and errors by a catcher, but that was the best place to put him most of the time for his teams, especially earlier on in the career, in his career. Now, Smokey uh, did have a gap in his playing career. He uh, enlisted in the service uh, in the military, and he suffered an accident while he was in the military. So when he came back to play professional baseball, his fielding abilities were even worse than when he you know, left the first time. And so this prevented him from really playing any position at all. 
And Burgess himself knew this. And so he embraced it and he really focused on trying to be the best hitter he could be. But because of the lack of the DH position, he found himself having to fill that role as a pinch hitter. And he did it very well. So he had his best season in 1966, which he spent with the Chicago White Sox. During that season, he compiled 20 pinch hits and he tied the league record that had been set by Ed Coleman back in 1936 for pinch hits in a season. He was also responsible for being a nine-time All-Star over the course of his career and mainly because of his offensive capabilities. So nine times he was elected to the All-Star team. He also won a World Series in 1960 with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and due to his clutch pinch-hitting play, mainly, he was inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame at the conclusion of his career. Smokey, again, he's one of those players, the perfect example of a guy who would have probably achieved much more and probably have played a lot longer if the DH position had existed when he played. Now, I made that same case for a guy named Smeed Jolly, who I argued for uh, in a previous episode. And I will include the link to that episode in the show notes if you'd like to go back and learn about this gentleman's career. And certainly, if he had played in a different era, what he could have been statistically. We're going to go through our final three top pinch hitters right after we take a quick break for the seventh inning stretch. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. We are going through the five best pinch hitters in baseball history. We started off talking about Cliff Johnson, and then we went down and we talked about Smokey Burgess. We're going to continue our list. We're going to go to the next individual whose name is Manny Mota. Manny was born in the Dominican Republic, but he came over to the United States and played in Major League Baseball for 20 seasons. He played from 1962 to 1982. He spent time playing for the Giants, the Pirates, the Expos, and the Dodgers. Now, during the span of his career, his best seasons came during his time in Pittsburgh. And he was hailed as one of baseball's premier hitters, especially early on in his career. But just like where we talked about with Smokey, he really established himself as a great player early on in his career and became known as a key pinch hitter later on in his career. It wasn't until about his 12th season, remember he played for 20 years, that he really became to be known as one of the premier pinch hitters. So let's focus in on that part of his career so we can really see what he accomplished during that phase. From 1974 to 1979, he was playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he would average 10 pinch hits for six straight seasons. It's not bad. And the Dodgers appeared in the 1974, 1977, and 1978 World Series in a large part thanks to his ability to have that reliable plate play and to come in late in games and get those key hits to be able to give the team those wins, especially in the playoffs. 
1979, Manny wrote his name in the record books by becoming the all-time leader in pinch hits. That record stood until 2001, and we'll talk about who broke that record in a little bit. Part of the reason for Manny Mota's success really came from his unique swing. It was something to behold, and I'd encourage you, if you're not watching the video version of this, check it out on YouTube. Just type in Manny Mota's swing. He used this compact move, and it was often he would just use kind of a half swing to be able to push the ball just beyond the reach of the first baseman. He was the king of shallow base hits, and a lot of it had to do with that compact swing that he used. It's really interesting to see. Manny Mota had his best season in 1973. He hit 314 with 25 RBI and he drew 23 walks. He was named an all-star that year and that was the only all-star appearance that he ever made in his career. But remember, he established himself later on in his career as that key pinch hitter was a part of several te- uh, several World Series appearances for his team and really became the guy that they counted on to come in to get those hits when the team needed it. Let's go to our next clutch pinch hitter, Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs is probably best known for his heroics with the Philadelphia Phillies in 2008 when he hit that clutch pinch hit home run, remember, against the Tampa Bay Rays. But he was actually one of the best pinch hitters of his generation. He compiled a .262 career batting average, and he had 23 career pinch hit home runs. Matt played for 13 MLB teams, over the course of 19 seasons in professional baseball. And he also spent one year playing in Japan. He played for more teams than any position player in MLB history. The only person that outdoes him in that regard was Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson played for 14 teams, but he was a pitcher. That's why I say he holds the record for position players in that, uh, in that area. So Matt was simply something to behold behind the plate. He had this ability to come in and get those hits in a pinch roll, and that made him a valuable asset to a lot of different teams, and that actually earned him the nickname Matt Stairs Professional Hitter. In fact, I think in a different timeline, Matt Stairs might have been a Hall of Famer. Now, hear me out on this. He was that good of a hitter. Bill James and Joe Poznanski both baseball analysts have theorized that Matt Stairs is probably more talented as a hitter than just his career stats suggest. Stairs didn't have 500 plate appearances in a season until he turned 29 years old. Remember, out of 19 seasons, didn't even get 500 plate appearances until he was 29. And when he did get that many plate appearances, he recorded 100 RBI, but that was the only season that he never saw 500 at-bats again. So Bill James, just to lend credence to this theory I'm throwing out there, he had to say, quote, if you put Matt Stairs in the right park, right position early in his career, he's going to hit a lot of bombs, end quote. And then other baseball analyst Joe Poznanski also said he believes, to back this up, that if uh, Matt Stairs had gotten the at-bats, that were his due or a little bit earlier on, he would have generated enough offense to have been a worthy Hall of Fame consideration contender. So there you have it, folks. Something to think about. Matt Stairs was that guy in this era, in the modern era here, that you counted on to come in and not just get a hit, but to knock out a home run. And for that reason, he is one of our top pinch hitters of all time. Well, folks, that brings us to none other, the last individual on our list, Lenny Harris. 
Lenny Harris is the official all-time leader in pinch hits with 212. Now, Lenny played for 18 seasons between 1988 and 2005, and he spread that across 10 different teams. His best season came in the year 2000 with the Cincinnati Reds. He hit 302, and he had 11 RBI and just 73 at-bats. Yes, Harris was never an everyday player throughout his career, but he made the most of those limited opportunities that were provided to him to come in and pinch hit. He never got more than 333 plate appearances in a season from 1993 until 2005. A big part of his career didn't get a lot of time at the plate. But despite those limited appearances, he was a career 265 hitter and he racked up 43 home runs and 215 RBI. On October 7th, 2001, he broke Manny Moda's record, which we talked about previously, with his 151st pinch hit. So, again, he amassed the most pinch hit opportunities in MLB history, MLB history, and he holds the record for most hits by a pinch hitter in MLB history. Some other accolades to round out Harris's career. He also played for the 2003 Florida Marlins World Series team, and that certainly netted him a ring in addition to him breaking the record for most pinch hits. Now, despite all that success, despite all that uh, record setting that he did in his career, he never was selected to an all-star team. Interesting. And certainly that had to do with his limited plate appearances. So folks, these are the five players that I would consider the best pinch hitters in baseball history. They all excelled at getting on base. They all excelled at driving runs when their teams needed them the most. So the next time you're watching a game and you see a player come in to hit for someone else late in the game, remember that they could also become another one of these all-time greats. Folks, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. And remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. Rounders, A History of Baseball in America is produced by Jeffrey Lambert. Our research assistant is Cass Silber. A special thanks to our starting nine supporters, Nathan Halverson and Jack Wilson.